Hello, dear friends, and welcome once again to The Natural High, which is, of course, a podcast dedicated to the pursuit of happiness in all its glorious forms. I am absolutely delighted this week to be presenting Niraj Naik to you. Niraj is the renegade pharmacist, spent his early career in the pharmaceutical industry, saw how corrupt it was and has some horror stories to tell us about that. Um, At the same time, became very ill himself, moved away from all of that, chose a new life with holistic medicines, Ayurvedic principles. He is a breathwork teacher and breathwork has really improved his life in so many ways. He's going to take us through quite a few breathwork techniques that he does at his retreats in Ibiza, which sound fascinating. I'm definitely going to get over there at some stage. He gives us some practical advice on things like why humming will lengthen your life, why we can have too much oxygen and not enough carbon dioxide in our systems, He's going to give us some tips on breathing to get us to sleep and even breathing for constipation. So, for once, it won't just be me talking shit on the pod. Anyway, professional musician as well, does so many different things. He's such a great guy. But you know what came across to me the most from this conversation was that this is a man who is motivated to help other people. That's his main motivation. He wants to help others. That really came across to me. I'll be interested in your opinion. You can find out more about Niraj by going to thenaturalhighclub.com forward slash Soma Breath. That's S-O-M-A-B-R-E-A-T-H. All the links to all the stuff that he's involved with are on that page. You are actually listening to his music right now and I've threaded his bewitching tunes through this podcast. I know that Things are about to change for you in your life once you have heard what this man has to say. Enjoy the show. The Natural High. hear you now unfortunately i've lost you on the audio but i did get a chance to have a look at your wonderful clothing you've inspired me i've got all this western nonsense on i i usually just do audio conversations but most guests want to see my ugly mug so i uh so <laughs> i've acceded to the wishes and now i do i do video i can see a an aircon unit in the background which would suggest to me that you are in asia where in the world are you right now no, no, I mean Ibiza. Ah, Ibiza. okay. Ibiza. But you spend some of your time in Thailand, right? Yeah, I, I we just moved from Thailand to here, so. Um, ah, yeah, okay. It's great. The very, the very last person that I interviewed also lives in Ibiza. Oh, really? Who's that? Bizarre. His name is Jorge Ferrer, and he is a professor who worked in San Francisco for twenty years as a professor of psychology. Wow. And he's written a book. He's written a book about polyamory, and so he was on to talk about his his latest publication, which is fascinating. Nice. I haven't been to Ibiza for many years, but it's such a magical place. Why did you relocate there from Thailand? It, uh, for various reasons. One of them being that um, basically. 
Copangan, the Thai government have gone all weird with um, rules, restrictions. It's so difficult for people to get there, uh, to get in. Um, they have some very stupid rules. And they also, um, you know, they've kind of limited the kind of events and workshops you can do, the numbers of people. Even though there's like practically no cases on the island. Um, yeah. They're just like cleaning up now. They're trying to get as much money as they can. Um, wow. You know, the, the corrupt police and all that stuff. No, we just heard a lot of good stuff going on in like Ibiza. So we were like, right, let's come here, check it out. Amazing. And literally in two weeks of being here, I've landed like a regular session, um, like gig at this top five star resort called Six Senses. Um, mm -hmm which is amazing and it makes, I'm also working with one of the top music studios here, um, Sonic Vista, where a lot of the big okay. artists produce, and it's worked out phenomenal in just a couple of weeks of being here. So yeah, it's been great. Amazing. I've been so excited about doing this interview because you seem like an extraordinary and inspiring and multifaceted human being. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. I look at your website and you describe yourself in so many ways, the renegade pharmacist, which is probably what you're best known as, um, yeah. improving health and well-being on a global scale. You're a certified pharmacist turned holistic health and breathwork expert, and you've created the Soma Technique. You're a professional musician, a serial entrepreneur, one of the world's most sought-after spiritual ceremony facilitators, and you're also a big advocate of Ayurvedic principles and Ayurvedic medicine. For All of these things are absolutely fascinating to me, so I'm hoping to delve into each of them at, at different stages. But firstly, I tend to try and do these things chronologically, and I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about Mini Niraj, your formative years, where you spent your early years did you have a happy childhood did you enjoy school and what interested you when you were growing up okay yeah great question so actually um i started off you know as you do uh growing up in england in an indian family uh, where in berkshire okay yeah being funneled into one of these few professions that you're supposed to do if you're a good Indian kid, which is be a doctor, be a pharmacist, be a lawyer, be an accountant, one of those safe, secure professions. So I did that. So you felt like you were shoehorned into pharmaceuticals in the first place or, or yeah, was it something yeah. you were naturally keen on? You, no, I was never very keen on it. I wasn't keen on, I was keen on music. My big passion was always music. And on the side, I started to run my own events in the drum and bass scene, which took off. In the end, I ended up running a big dance music site at university, but also a 2000 capacity ray for three years, um, which was the first business I ever had. And it was quite wow. successful. Where was university? Where Cardiff, was university? Cardiff. Oh, Cardiff. Okay, great. Yeah. Great city. So it was actually a real, um, like, for, for me, an amazing experience of being an entrepreneur from a young age. But I also got caught up in the whole hedonistic lifestyle of the whole party scene. And I was also juggling, trying to be a far, like finish my degree at the same time. In the end, anyway, it was a big mess. I lost that entire business. Um, and I ended up having to go and be a pharmacist. And it wasn't really something I really wanted to do. Wow. But when I went into it, it was actually probably the best thing that ever happened, was going into mm. this world. Because I got an insight the first time into the healthcare system and what it is. And it, you know, I had no idea that eventually I'd become a patient, you know, as well, because um, I was actually like doing my job, but I was trying really hard to get out 
of this career in trying to do all these different business ventures to get out or and I was actually really trying to get make a you know the success of the music industry and ended up getting actually mentored by um, and uh, a, a guy who manages who's you know the band Muse the manager of, of Muse yeah he ended up becoming one of my my best mentors friends and he wanted to manage me as an artist because he really liked I decided to make all this kind of more ethnic fusion music at that time and he loved it go into the, the commercial music industry because he just thought that it become so dark as an industry and full of like just sleaze and just not good culture and he and was, that could dictate to your music as well couldn't it it could have sort of reduced the purity of what you're trying to do music exactly with. and he's all about working with bands with that have messages and he was like look there's no bands left nobody stands for anything anymore and you know it's like so he had kind of like become depressed a bit, fallen out of love with the music scene. So I would come home ranting and talking to him about how, how much I hate the pharmaceutical industry and how much of a shenanigans that whole thing is. That's all I used to rant about. I just kept ranting and ranting over prescribing and then how it's just a factory of prescriptions and how there has, there has to be something better. So, you know, I'd literally I'd see people going away with, shopping bags full of drugs you know all the time so it was like astonishing so in the end um i actually had a bit of, I, I had a bit of a, a burnout and a friend of mine took me to a tony robbins event and that is where i had my big first awakening because it's the first time i heard anyone talk about diet nutrition things like just simple exercise breathing techniques things like that yeah, when was this? Uh, this was what, yeah. 2007. Okay. So, you know, and we never get taught this stuff at uh, university. So I was like, right, well, I'm going to put Tony Robbins to the test. If he's full of shit, I'll find out pretty quick because I have a pharmacy full of sick people. So I started to come up with my own method of giving people advice, this health information through uh, shopping lists. Um, right, yeah. Because you don't have much time and like I'd give people an analogy of a car and say, look, you know what happens if you put the wrong fuel into your, uh, say you've got a diesel engine, if you put petrol in, uh, or if you put diesel into a petrol, what happens? And they, you know, most people have done it and they know the consequences of it. So I'm like, well, just imagine you are a super efficient bio engine and you've been putting the wrong fuel and into your system. And that's why you're on all these medications. Like how about, you know, putting the right fuel into it? And I'll just tell them the difference between real food and processed foods, you know, not like rocket science stuff, but it would be astonished how many people were just eating mostly processed foods all day long. Sure, lack of awareness. Yeah. And there was a strong correlation between, you know, 
fizzy drinks, processed foods and all that stuff. And the amount of meds people are on. So I, I caught, came up with a no factory diet and I started to help people change their diets, getting them off prescription uh, and helping them get off prescription meds. For things like so this diabetes. must have been gratifying it was this yeah. gratifying to you or are you still hating the pharmacy no no no. this gave me this gave me job satisfaction for the first time actually ironically i got fired from my first job for mismanaging the pharmacy i was telling people not to buy benelin they could make their own uh benelin if you look at it what is it it's alcohol it's sugar it's lemon flavoring and it's uh they add um, an antihistamine that kind of suppresses the cough a little bit. Right? Wow, alcohol and sugar, and that's medicine. <laughs> yeah, well, medicine. <laughs> well what, what is that actually as a old, you know, one of those old remedies, it's the hot toddy, right? Right. Brandy awesome. with fresh lemon and a bit of honey um, is really good for coughs. It helps soothe, it kills the germs at the back because alcohol is actually antiseptic. So it helps kill the germs at the back of the throat. It's really good for sore throats. And if you put fresh lemon juice in it, fresh lemon juice is also antiseptic. Honey is also antiseptic together. And it also the, the little bit of alcohol, you know, that you consume by just sipping a hot toddy helps you go to sleep and, and uh, relax. So what they've done in the pharmacy, if you look at a lot of the things you buy over the counter, is they've just taken things that have worked, you know, traditionally and they've made their own versions of it. So I'm like, well, let's go back to the basics and make your own. Right. And, nice. and I, I wasn't selling much stuff from the pharmacy in the end. People going over. <laughs> I was making Asda and Tesco's a lot more money. So in the end, actually, I got promoted. Um, uh, long story short, I got promoted to the head office of a big corporation in the UK. They had both pharmacy and uh, grocery together, same place. I came up with a healthy shopping list service and I was going to roll this out. It was going to be amazing. But then for some reason, six months into it, they shelved the idea. And I'm like, Boom, I'm gonna to have to go back to being a pharmacist. That's when I was so depressed and disillusioned and distressed beyond belief. Fear, fear as well. Like, this is the world we live in. I was very concerned about our planet. And I know that this is a point at which you started getting ill, but in your mind, why is the pharmaceutical industry so fucked up? And what are the, the, the sort of root problems with it? Profit. Right. It's not just a farmer, it's any industry, let's say Hippocrates, the father of medicine, right? Says, and there's a few things that you're supposed to abide by. First, do no harm. As a doctor, you're meant to abide by that oath. Um, there's also food, let food be thy medicine, right? So, you know, let medicine be thy food. That was, that was the full saying. But what the one that actually people are not so aware of Okay, they don't talk about, but Hippocrates also said this, is never make profit in the sick room, right? Because if you're making profit out of people being sick, right, that means the more sick people there are, the more profit you make. Yep. So here we go. Like, it doesn't take a, you know, a, a PhD to figure that one out, right? And here's the other thing, like, Goldman Sachs did a presentation, um, which was basically, is our cures really good for business? Questioning whether cures are good for business. And they explained the subscription model. Get a patient to become a customer for life. That's basically what medicine is. It, it makes you a customer forever. That's the problem. How corrupt it. is it though? Right? How corrupt is it? How, how, to what degree are far big pharmaceutical companies 
actually developing and selling sort of placebos almost. So if you want um, uh, some resources on it, uh, you want to check out um, the book Farmageddon. Okay. okay. Yep. Heard of it. Which is, you heard of that one? Mm -hmm. It's written by a, a, um, uh, a psychiatrist actually uh, from England. I think he's from Wales even actually. Let me just check who the author is again. David Healy, that's it. Okay. Um, he's amazing. Uh, very, 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 uh, very well researched book. He's a psychiatrist, so you can't mess with him. I'm just, uh, you know, uh, a very modest uh, pharmacist in comparison, but this guy is like a top psychiatrist, so he really understands. If you want to read another book about all this, The, the Great Cholesterol Con by Dr. Malcolm Kendrick, all about statins and cholesterol. Right. Uh, there's a bunch of books on that now. Great resources. Uh, yep. And then there's um, also, if you just look up, if you type in uh, Pfizer criminal record into Google or criminal history, you'll see the first um, thing that comes up is Pfizer has been a habitual uh, offender persistently engaging in illegal and corrupt marketing practices, bribing physicians, suppressing adverse trial results. Wow. Since 2002, the company and its subsidiaries have been assessed to have 3 billion in criminal convictions, civil penalties and jury awards. All right. So it's all out there. It's not, I'm not making anything up. There's no conspiracy mm. theories at all. This is all up things you can Google. Another one that just came out yesterday, the BMJ published, um, a whistleblower report, a big investigation has just gone on into the, the, um, so when you do clinical trials, you get, you get these third party companies that do the trials. One of these companies has been now through a whistleblower exposed at very bad practice, very like to the point you cannot trust the data that's come from this. And that's just one whistleblower from one of these trials of the, obviously the, the V, right? Okay, so now people have been trying to warn us about these things for years and years. It's all out there. You can see it, and people are now talking about it. I suppose the thing is with with big with these huge corporations, they they can create and and influence the narrative as well, can't they? They can influence the public narrative, even as you say, as these all these lawsuits are going on in the background because they're so lawyered up, because they're so well tooled. They know how to deal with it and they know how to create a positive narrative. Well, there's a couple of companies, right, that own pretty much every other company that exists, right? So. Uh, Basically, there's huge monopolies that own everything. So they own all the media channels, they own pharma, they own agriculture, they own the banks, financial systems, everything. And usually, very rich people aren't always that altruistic. Um, it ends up becoming totalitarian. And that's the world we're heading towards. And the same goes, so that's capitalism going wrong. But the same issues happen with communism, okay? Communism also leads to a totalitarianism because even though everyone's supposed to be equal, right? You always get the leaders who bend the rules in their favor and end up owning everything and running everything and forever. Basically, they never lose their, 
position, right? It goes on for the theory and the practice seem to be very different in terms of communism. I love I love the idea of the concept of communism. It's definitely for me much more alluring than the concept of capitalism. Yeah. But we've never seen a good practical example really Human, as far as it's so fallible. So we need another system and I think that's why I'm so excited about decentralization, DeFi, all of this stuff that's popping up, the whole crypto blockchain movement that can allow us again in the wrong hands can be extremely dangerous because then everyone's trapped forever. But in the right hands, it could mean complete um, freedom, liberty, fairness, equality, uh, where money is like no longer, you know, pegged to some like paper money thing. You know, it's like actually pegged something of value and then that value increases. So when you put money into your bank, you actually get um, interest for it, not in, instead of right now, we've got negative. You actually have to pay the bank to keep your money in the bank. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, so, but I don't want to, I, I don't want to knock pharma completely because there is two sides to it. There's the corporate big pharma, right? That's who we're talking about doing naughty stuff. But there's a lot of good stuff that comes from pharmacy. Okay, there's a yin and yang to it because in some cases drugs save lives all right for sure they they can are there some lives which can only be saved with by pharmaceutical products there are some extremely rare issues like diseases that some people get where the medicines work like miracle right um you know there's even some cancers which modern medicine can treat it's really hard to treat holistically and you need a balance okay. and that's the that's the great thing of bringing the two worlds together. But what's happened, and you can see it's really happened in the last two years, is this division is like a war right against the holistic methods and the chemical-based methods. Big time division. I mean, you only have to yeah. do a bit. You have to do a little bit of research on Ayurvedic principles and stuff like that. You see a lot of people saying, "Oh, it's just it's a load of nonsense." There's no scientific evidence to back so this up, much. you know. And it, again, it feels like a bit of yeah. a witch hunt. And if you look, like if you before last two years there was a merger going on there was the whole movement of functional medicine which was amazing doctors actually looking at the body holistically using like even good like uh, machines and and things to measure people's data and get really intricate measurements of people so they can really make holistic diagnosis and treatment plans based on both lifestyle changes ancient wisdom and um, modern medicine so it was this was an amazing movement, but in the last two years, that there's like a war gone on on this, and it's like now this is it. This is the only treatment, and this is all you can take, and this is it. This is all. This is it. And anyone else who questions it, boom, censored, shut down. And that comes down to money again. That basically comes down to money again. I mean, just look at the bank balances. Of I remember talking to the. There's so many trolls that I get right, and all of their arguments was. Uh, but the vaccine's not um, profitable. No, 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 they're not really profitable. Just check out the bank balances of these companies and their, sh their share prices. There are faces, there are smiles, so many teeth, too many arms and legs and eyes and flashing buttons all around me. I'm a watching, I'm a breathing, I'm a pushing, I'm a wishing that these walls would not be talking quite so loudly. I have burnt down once before, I've pulled myself up from the floor And I am looking for a reason to stay standing 
But sometimes it's just too much, it's not enough It's something else that's so much bigger than my head It's too demanding Sometimes the fastest way to get there is to go slow And sometimes if you wanna hold on you got to let go situation it seems to me like you are in a unique position you can actually bring these worlds together i want to try um it's really hard to uh to you know when people get go down a reality tunnel like say you go and study to be a doctor for example right it's, the doctors are amazing people the majority of them are amazing people they just want to help very very um kind of rigid and narrow focused it's really hard to wake someone out of that and you know and their their knowledge is as good as the pharma reps that come to them with their spreadsheets and, and graphs and say oh this is a new thing on the market right this is what works um that's the the knowledge is based a lot from what they read in textbooks and and papers and studies that are filtered by the people that want to push certain things to them so a lot of doctors they are unaware of the real methods of healing chronic illnesses in a more holistic way they, they're not trained in it they don't know about diet they don't know about even things like simple breathing and respiratory health and it's amazing a lot of doctors are now coming to us to retrain to learn because they want to bring this in so unfortunately the system has made it so difficult for them to break outside of their the guidelines right so and if they do speak out like in the last, uh, I think it was a year ago, they did a survey in the NHS um, and actually more doctors now are leaving the NHS, right, than joining because one of them, 55% of them said they're scared to speak out um, because they'll lose their jobs. Crazy industry. Um, I have a friend, I, as you know, I live in, in America and I've got a, a close friend who had all sorts of problems with her body which weren't diagnosed and they just went to, the pharmaceutical industry went to town on her. They tried to treat all of the different organs separately and of course each of those different medicines had side effects on her, the fragile equilibrium in her body. So she was just, she was so much worse after six months of all of these medications having just gone through the, the standard, the standard oh channels. God. But you, but, go on. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's one resource to add to that to 
back up what you're just saying there is Dr. BM Hegday. He's a top doctor in India. He's a, he's like the go-to guy that all the politicians, whenever they get problems, they go to him. He's won like the top awards, but he's a full-on renegade. He's got loads of YouTube videos with him, some TED Talks, all sorts, completely calling out the shenanigans. And he's my guru, he's my mentor. Like that's the guy I go to for my information and knowledge on holistic health and, and real medicine. And see what he says about medicine, because basically the entire industry of pharma, okay, is based on reductionist science, meaning linear models. Okay, I'll give you an example of this. Like when you go uh, to get your blood pressure checked, they tell you your average blood pressure should be 120 over 80. Right, that's your normal. But actually, if you were to take the world's population's blood pressure, you'd find it's actually a bell-shaped curve, right, like this, where it kind of goes up towards 120 in the over 80 in the middle. But there's a lot of people who have high and low blood pressure. Okay, so and that's their normal. Like, guess what Gandhi's blood pressure was his whole life? Tell me. 200 over 100. Wow. And how did he die? He, he died when he was 80 odd years old, bullet in his head. When they did the post-mortem, he was perfectly healthy. And his doctors wow. were constantly on his case saying, we need to treat your blood pressure, we need to treat your blood pressure. And he was like, no, I'm fine. So um, he was fine. So what happens is when you go for a checkup, okay, what happens is they will go, oh, your blood pressure is a little high. It's like higher than 120 over 80. And if it's like, um, you know, like 150 over 90 or something, they're going to put you on a, a beta block, some kind of blood pressure medication, all right? Some like ACE inhibitor, something to lower the blood pressure. So, um, and so many people go in perfectly healthy, fine. Suddenly they're on some blood pressure medication. There's also this issue of white coat syndrome where people just have a natural fear of the doctor, so their blood pressure goes up. That's why you must always do a best of three or even a best out of five. Gotcha. Right? And here's the problem. So you're going to get 25% false positives on either side, right? So at any given time, then there's not that many people who are actually that sick. As soon as you go for a checkup, they're like, oh, the blood pressure is really low. You're going to need a drug for that. Oh, your blood pressure is high. You're going to need a drug for that. But actually, that could be their normal because they fit into this 25% on either side. Mm -hmm. The thing is, human beings, we are irrational. We're not linear. We are like unlogical. We, we have so many multifactorial things that you can't treat a single organ at a time. Gotcha. You can't. You have to treat things holistically. And drugs are not intelligent. They're not intelligent. They, they come in. They change one key metric. That's the linear model, right? And this is the crazy thing. A lot of things get put onto the market, right? When they are actually um, basic, based on correlation arguments. Correlation as in um, people who eat, so the classic one is uh, when it comes to high cholesterol and saturated fat, saturated fat causing high cholesterol. So Ma Malcolm Kendrick did a whole study on this. He showed like Ansel Keys, the guy who first did the study, which got everybody uh, scared of saturated fat. He took seven countries, right? And he picked seven countries that showed a relationship that fit his hypothesis. 
So Malcolm, which showed that the more you saturate fat you eat, the more risk you have of high cholesterol, right? And, that, and then they said the high cholesterol is what causes heart disease, so therefore, don't eat saturated fat. That's, that's their reasoning behind it. But you have to have a mechanism to show all this. They couldn't really explain that. They just came up with this. Now everyone's on statins to lower high cholesterol all that. Anyway, so basically what Malcolm Kendrick did was he took 14 countries and he showed the opposite relationship. So, depend, so there's a whole classic thing with statistics. If you cherry pick the data you want, you can make whatever hypothesis you have uh, seem valid. And this is what goes on. Mm. So um, the, when you do a correlation argument, you've got to have a mechanism to it. So if you can't explain the mechanism, then the correlation is very weak as an argument. You have to have very strong uh, correlation. And so like another amazing correlation would be that uh, eating ice cream causes shark attacks. <laughs> because there's more shark attacks when people are swimming and people swim more on hot days. When they're eating right? ice cream, yeah. But they're also eating ice cream mm. more. So that would be a ridiculous correlation argument, but you will not be surprised how many things get pushed wow. into the market based on stupid things like that. Rubbish evidence. Um, th that's absolutely fascinating. And the other thing, apart from the fact that, you know, the, these drugs are, as you say, treating like specific areas of the body and not holistically, it's the, there's this idea in the pharmaceutical industry that they can push out these sort of magic bullets, these silver bullets. And as we know, everybody is different. So medicine for each person needs to be bespoke, right? Well, they want to look at us like we're just robots, you know, treat us mm. like we're cattle almost, you know, so that's the unfortunate thing. Like, so therefore there is no, um, like thought even in their minds that we are individual, you know, because that's not good for business. That's going to be too costly. It's much easier to give the entire population the same treatment than to customize for everybody what they're supposed to have. The best way to customize a treatment is to know thyself. That's the mantra of Ayurveda. You do it yourself, become your own doctor, right? And it all starts, if you look at like COVID, for example, majority of people who died of COVID, okay, um, have four or more comorbidities. So they've got diabetes, they're obese, they have heart disease, they have blood pressure, things like that. Cancer, right? So very, very few, hardly anyone, like very tiny percentage of people died just from COVID who are perfectly healthy. Right. Yep. It's an insignificant amount. Yeah. So, well, what would you do then? Get rid of the comorbidities, right? Help people get rid of that. So lifestyle intervention is key. We live in a world where the actual real pandemic, epidemic, is too much consumption, overconsumption, food that we don't need, right? Processed foods tons of it so people are like a beast they're overweight they've got diabetes because of gluttony pure gluttony all right a lot of people don't even consider themselves to be gluttons but they just we just eat so much more on average these days don't we because it's available to us food from all over the world yeah so you know so what the farmer do is they take care of those people they take care of the people who don't want to do anything for themselves they don't really care about their health, they just want to, you know, 
live life to the max, consume as much crap as they can, and maybe die young. All right? It's it's a lot of people like that, and that's yeah. that's the average Joe market, which they they take care of that. So it's cool. Go for it. You do that. Take care of that. See Just don't happens. mess with me. Don't force me to take your stuff when I don't want to take it. My Do you think we are right, being so. coerced into taking these in the pharmaceutical medicines? Is there a feeling I mean, of that? I mean, the moment you say that you're going to lose your job if you can't have it, right? If the moment you say you can't fly without it. Wow. It's like, of course we're being coerced. Yeah. You can't see your mum. You can't see your gran, you know? Yeah. It's, it's madness. I mean, it's, it's so interesting as well because of the arc of your life. Like you work in the pharmaceutical industry and you got really ill, didn't you? Part, probably as a, partly as a consequence, at least, of the job that you were in. Can you ex explain the illness as far as you're comfortable and how that sort of how you were ultimately arrived at the renegade pharmacist because of the illness, because of the job you were in? Yeah. So I got incredibly uh, depressed, disillusioned, and I got... Uh, at that same time, I got hit with autoimmune called osteocolitis, which basically makes you ship blood like 40, 50 times a day. And it was pretty serious. And I lost like a third of my body weight. I surrendered to the modern medicine because that's all I knew. Like, because all my family, relatives were like, we have a lot of doctors in our community. And they were like, this is incurable. You must do this. Was the only treatment and then the consultant that i saw she was this huge overweight obese lady um you know who put the camera up my bum god i just remember that day and she was so cold so cold and hard she, to forget i asked her like what about like diet what about stress levels do they affect this she was like no no diet doesn't do anything um, you know, uh, just the only evidence we have is these pills. So take this. And if they don't work, we can take your colon out. Um, you know, um, you could also be a guinea pig on a drug that hasn't been tested. Jesus. Yeah. She was in. Wow. Oh, very. I mean, she was obviously like very down in the dumps herself. She, she wasn't having, she wasn't enjoying her sure. life. No way. You don't look, you don't act like that. Another yeah, victim of the industry. Hmm. None of the doctors their fault. They, they thought they were doing this for the right reasons. Some of them went and did it because it's significance. They didn't really want to be doctors, but they do it for the significance. Like, oh, I'm the my parents are gonna my parents are gonna Status, look up to whatever, me. Oh yes, my parents this... are gonna finally love me. You know, yeah. they, I'm gonna be good enough to. Loads of Indian kids go and become doctors. Solid career for that reason. Yeah, to impress their parents or their uncles or whatever, right? Um, so like. If you're really caring about people's health, and there's a lot of good doctors out there who really think outside, you know, um, out of their little box, and they um, would understand that actually, let food be thy medicine, right? Food makes a huge impact. The right diet for ulcerative colitis. If you don't sort out the diet, you will never solve this issue. It's very difficult to solve diabetes. Of course, it's a it's a sugar issue. So stop consuming carbs and sugar, right? But they don't tell you that, <laughs> right? Um, you know. So 
Like my best friend had ulcerative colitis and he became a vegan and he just dropped all of the pharmaceuticals straight away. He doesn't need them to manage his condition anymore. First hand evidence. So he's, okay he's fine now. He's absolutely fine. Completely never been happier or healthier yeah, since yeah. he was initially diagnosed. Yeah, so I um I actually then uh basically had to take things into my own hands and um uh, they say God stands for gift of desperation. Well, somebody came to the rescue, a friend of our family, Swami Yamakananda. So she taught me the foundations of pranayama, ayurveda, uh, yoga, and some simple breathing techniques, which revolved around rhythmic breathing, holding breath in various ways. And that was the real big difference I started to see. And then what happened was I, through the Ayurvedic system, I discovered that the right kind of foods to eat to help with this osteoclitis. And then also um, I discovered colostrum, which is the, it's actually an Ayurvedic food medicine, which is the first food we ever consume actually. Um, colostrum. I'm a new father, so I know all about, about it. it. Right? <laughs> if you don't get enough colostrum as a child, it can lead to a lot of health issues, right? As a baby. So, um, so you know, colostrum is really important. But you can take bovine colostrum in later on in your life and bovine colostrum actually heals, seals the gut lining of the gut. So if you have things like leaky gut, it's a really powerful gut healer. It also gives you a, a, an immune system into your gut. It helps uh, solve the immune problem that you have in your gut with antibodies, growth factors, immunofactors. Because actually colostrum gives the baby its immune system. And most of our immune system resides in the gut, like 60% of it. And it promotes the growth of good bacteria, healthy bacteria. It's one of the mechanisms of how it works. So that was a game changer for me. And the combination of that with Ayurvedic lifestyle changes, Kraniyama breathing techniques, and then going back into my passion for music and using music as a tool to, to guide me on these like, transcendental journeys with the breath and music and meditation was the, the solution and that within a few months I was back to full health and then I started to help other people coach other people I made a music therapy site that music started getting used all over the world by different people pharmacist blog I made an article on there um, about coca-cola and my time in the pharmacy observing population and that infographic went massively viral all around the world it blew us up um, and got my name out there that actually led me to also meeting Wim Hof 
uh, indirectly and I decided to make them I made the music for the Wim Hof method I trained with him he, oh, he was a, he was a big inspiration to me as well what a guy um, what an amazing yeah, he's a guy total legend so I used to live yeah. in Amsterdam and he's obviously just like huge there yeah yeah he's super famous there yeah yeah what it's just so many questions spawning from what you've just said to me. It's just absolutely amazing. But um, so in terms of the colostrum, just very quickly, uh, is it something you take periodically? Can you take it as frequently as you want? And is it a humane thing in terms of the animals? So um, basically, the cow produces a thousand times more potent colostrum than what the calf needs, and it also wow. produces. Sorry than human colostrum, but it also produces four right. times the amount of colostrum that the calf needs. Gotcha. So it makes a ton of it, like loads of it. So- it's way stronger than human colostrum. Way stronger, a thousand times more potent. So they take the excess of the excess because the excess colostrum is given on uh, colostrum banks to all the other farms so that no calf is ever deprived of colostrum. But the, this is why cows are, are holy in India. They worship them because they're, the Indian sweets, the holy sweets were made from colostrum originally. Wow. Because the cow gives you everything. It gives you this amazing medicine. It's super potent in nutrition and healing substances. It, it gives you, um, you know, the, the ghee. The ghee is a medicine in itself. Um, you don't really need to eat the cow. You, they give you everything you need, right? You can just live by the cow for forever. They, they're amazing beings. And, so yeah, so they worship cows because they give them so much, so much um, back, you know. And they... how often do you take colostrum? And is it something that you you'd prescribe, you advocate for anybody, or is it again a bespoke sort of? Um... Everyone can benefit from it, right? Because so many people have destroyed their guts right by consuming a lot of booze, alcohol, even. Would that be the main meds. culprit? Would you say? Oh, the meds. I think anyone on on a lot of NSAIDs must use colostrum. You can look at the study, because um, NSAIDs are very dangerous. If you consume them too for too long and too often, like ibuprofen, you can actually cause stomach ulcers and die. Right. So get internal bleeding, guys. So colostrum actually fixes the lining of the gut. Yeah, NSAIDs are concerning things. Yeah, that is mad. I just must ask you very quickly because you talked about drinks there, fizzy drinks as well, something you've railed against lots in the past. What about kombucha? Something I just wanted to ask for for selfish reasons. Is that bad for you? Or is that actually well by by fizzy drinks? I mean like processed carbonated gotcha. drinks that are full of salt and sugar, mm -hmm. right? Because that's not that's made in a, purely in a factory. There's nothing of any value in those drinks. Extremely addictive and they destroy your, um, your, the bacteria in the gut. So maybe in a tiny dose, Coca-Cola, for example, could have a medicinal effect of killing. So some, some actually, believe it or not, some doctors recommend have a sip of Coke, have a couple of sips of Coke if you have a stomach bug, mm. right? Because it just kills everything, oh. right? <laughs> but if you're like a kid and you're drinking a liter or two liters of it every day, which a lot of them do, they're wrecking themselves. They're going to get all sorts of problems. And obesity is caused uh, as well by uh, bad bacteria, like the wrong bacteria in the gut is linked to obesity as well. And, uh, you know, so, so don't drink tons of fizzy drinks. Have it in moderation now and then, but don't be consuming it every day. Kombucha is totally different. Kombucha is naturally carbonated. It's made by um, a... Uh, 
the yeast, um, special uh, scobies that will uh, basically feed on tea and on the sugar, and it will basically make a naturally fermented drink. It's very rich in B vitamins. It's um, it's got a lot of probiotics in there, and it's actually very good for the gut. And it's refreshing. Right. We love kombucha. Nice. I swear by it. Kefir as well. Kefir, yeah. So these are the alternatives that we I would recommend to people. Nice. Uh, I can un I can totally understand from speaking to you why you've got such an amazing network of, of friends and contacts around the world because you're such an interesting guy and you you just got <laughs> so much knowledge and wisdom. I can just imagine sitting down on the periphery of a rave somewhere with you in Ibiza and just chatting for hours. Yes, I could imagine. <laughs> okay, so, well, let's do it. Let's <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, what Ayurvedic principles do you adhere to on a daily basis? How does it improve your life? Um, yeah, and, and, and what does Ayurveda mean to you overall? Right, so the Ayurvedic system, the ancient system of medicine, is very, very deep. Like the original Vedic um, you know, texts were like the, the world's most ancient, you know, religious manuscripts, basically. People don't really know how old they are. But the Ayurvedic system is literally like modern medicine. You have um, a whole like system for surgery, even eye surgery. You have a whole system for um, diet, lifestyle, exercise, nutrition. You have a whole system for, um, uh, you know, how to cleanse the system, detox properly, effectively. You know, there's, it's basically modern medicine. And they were doing like, they were doing like kidney stone extractions. Thousands. Yes, all of this stuff. They were even doing brain surgery. Crazy. So they, they knew, so that knowledge somehow got suppressed. Yeah, and it's so, there's there such an arrogance, isn't there? There's such an yeah. arrogance that suggests that modern medicine has, has more answers because it's got all of that sort of history to rely upon, all that evidence. But then you've got these, this thousand, thousand year old wisdom, which just seems every bit as relevant today, if not more relevant than pharmaceuticals. And I think, and the problem is, is now that Ayurveda, because it's got kind of um, given a bad name, if you go on Wikipedia, they slam it with no idea what they're talking. Wikipedia is completely con um, compromised, by the way. Like the founder of, co-founder of Wikipedia, Larry Fink, see what he says about it. He calls the whole thing out, how shady it is, why he quit and why he's creating an alternative. Yeah, I listened to an speak. interview with him the other day, actually. Yeah, he's a legend. Yeah, I love it. Really interesting. Curious like yourself, naturally curious. Yes. So you can't um, trust what you're reading out there. You have to go by example, right? That's why I love Tony Robbins, like model success, right? Compare an Ayurvedic doctor, real one, to uh, your doctor in, you know, your GP. See which one's healthier and you'll find probably the ayurvedic doctor has more success looks healthier even a chiropractor look at most all the chiropractors i know are super healthy super fit they look like half their age right but you go to your doctor you know around the corner mr singh mr patel whatever right and oh my god it's like embarrassing right so and some of these are my uncles right relatives it's like come on guys sort it out you know i rip it out of them all the time you know? so so basically the Ayurvedic system has thousands of years of wisdom, and the principle of it is very simple. That disease, chronic disease, is a spiritual disturbance, meaning it's a disturbance with our psyche, the spirit, and the soul, okay? And usually what happens, uh, the way it gets disturbed, is that some 
traumatic event has happened, either in this lifetime or some past lifetime, meaning you've carried it through genetics, right? Genetically stored it as information and or some traumatic thing has happened, karma, that has led to a karmic imprint which manifests disease. And this is emotions that usually are not resolved at the time. So the Ayurvedic system takes into all of this account into its treatment plan. But what it also takes into account is that it's a non, it's not a one size fits all approach. Everyone's unique, different individual, right? So, um, but you can figure out what somebody is more prone to, what food they should eat, what diet exercise they should do, what lifestyle they should follow, even what career they should do based on their energy type, energy. So if you look at the Ayurvedic system, it's actually quantum science, right? Like but thousands of years ago. And even the entire Vedic system, Upanishads, all that is, is quantum science, it's the quantum world. And um, so through a series of questions, which ask questions about to determine your phenotype and genotype, you can determine uh, what your energy constituent is called your procreatory, your natural energy type. Interesting. Um, so I am a vata pitta, which is air and fire mix. I'm more pitta dominant these days, okay? Now you can do it and it changes a little bit through life. You could do your own one. I would guess that you're like a pitta type, right? Um, and uh, so you can tell from how somebody speaks, their-, their um, General demeanor. Their, yeah, their career path, what they do, uh, you know, whether they're highly creative, if they retain information very quickly and then lose it, like learn things very fast and then forget it very quickly. Um, that's a more airy vata type. Fire types are like the entrepreneurs, the leaders, they're like a bit more muscular set, like, um, you know, so they have more of an athletic build. They um, tend to be very good at leading things, getting things done. They're like adrenaline kind of people. The kapha types are more heavy set. And they have more of a, a, a tendency to gain weight. Fire types can like basically eat anything. Vata types, their weight fluctuates a bit and they can actually have um, a tendency to lose weight, especially under stress. So they're more skinny, skinny set people. So through this, you can actually find out the kind of foods that suit. So actually, I actually had become too Vata. Also, clients tends to affect the, the bowels and the ulcers. It's interesting you said your friend did a vegan diet. I'd love to know what he what he had. Because what I found, I was actually on a vegan diet during the time and it made my symptoms much worse. And according to the Vedic Ayurvedic system, in when vata goes out of balance, especially vata, high vata, um, where you're getting a lot of gas and crazy like colon issues, um, and then the fire the pizza going off balance causes the ulcers, the, the burn, right? So um, you need grounding, nourishing foods, like raw foods, raw vegan foods, right? Which I was trying, just goes straight through you and you just lose so much weight. I, I don't thrive very well on like, like fresh raw foods so much. I do eat it as part of my meals, but I tend to have more grounding, nourishing, warm foods, right? In my diet, it suits me better. Um, so I actually had to switch and actually broke a few of our traditional taboos of, of being a Hindu, like eating beef. Well, Colossians fine, but the beef 
and bone broth is what really helped fix my bowels. So, so I'd love to know like um, exactly what your, what your diet, uh, your friend did. That's really fascinating because then I can maybe recommend that to vegan people. The natural high. And if you are interested in more information about that, then go to thenaturalhighclub.com forward slash veganism. There is not an ounce of fat on his body. So what you were saying about losing weight, maybe that, you know, maybe that's uh, there's a correlation with him. He's managing his ulcerative difficultitis really successfully, whereas he, you know, any medicine he tried from the pharmaceutical industry did not help him, just make, exacerbated the problem. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Isn't it true that one of the Ayurvedic principles is to uh, have honey to start your day? For everybody. Is that right? Mm, Load of nonsense. I don't know where you got that. That's some <laughs> myth. Uh, but yeah, you can maybe having like one of the, the Ayurvedic recommendations is fresh lemon juice. Gotcha. Right? Um, with water, warm water, like a tea to hydrate and cleanse the bowels or like a masala chai without the dairy, um, just like a chai to, because Ayurvedic system is all about a lot of it's about cleansing the bowels and keeping the bowels clear. So they, there's a whole process on doing that. Also, there's a lot of... Detoxifying. Well, just cleansing every day, making sure your bowels are clear because a lot of people's problems come from constipation and not having um, clear bowels. Like your bowels and your nose is linked as well. So when you're congested down here, you also get congestion up here. Mm. One way to relieve constipation is actually through breathing techniques so i can i can help help people a lot with constipation and congestion nasal condition which is a simple breathing technique wow it's not even a breathing technique it's actually a stopping breathing for a moment techniques it's like it's a way to unblock your nose and it also relieves the bowels it's magic um, it's a way to yeah you created the soma breathwork techniques right so i mean i didn't the, the one thing in Soma Breath that is unique to what we did is the breathing beats. Okay. But everything else is based on pranayama. So the Ayurvedic system is like, imagine it's like you have yoga, you have pranayama, you have, um, you know, uh, meditation, all of this. The Ayurvedic system will give you the way to prescribe the right thing to the right person at the right time. That's what it does. It helps you to be like a, a doctor who knows how to prescribe the right thing. So pranayama has a bunch of different breathing techniques, right? There's ones for promoting good bacterial growth, healing like a uh, heartburn, indigestion, cleansing the bowels. There's ones for unblocking your nose, I said. Amazing. There's others for um, lowering blood pressure. There's others for creating energy, activating stem cells, getting into deep meditative states. It's, it's like a pharmacy of different breathing techniques. And if you look, when I was saying about Ayurveda, it talks about disease being spiritual, right? What does spiritual actually mean? Where does that word spiritual comes from? Actually means to breathe. Spiritual, spirituality comes, the word spirit is a spiritual breath, life in Latin. So to breathe is being spiritual, right? And we're all breathers, we all breathe. The moment we're born, inspiration, right? When we die, the last thing we do is expiration. So life is a series of inhales and exhales, okay? But here's the thing. When you uh, get off balance, it affects your breathing and your breathing rates and how deep you breathe, right? And the, the, the coherence of your breath. 
whether it's erratic or smooth. And you probably don't even notice and unless you're to pay attention to it. Exactly. Now check this out. So this is where it gets very fascinating, right? So um, we're going to talk about correlation argument for a moment, and then I'm going to explain a mechanism. And this is to do with longevity. So which are the animals that live the longest? Elephants, turtles, whales. They're slow right? movers. Yeah, they have extremely slow breathing rates, like one to two breaths per minute. Whales have less than one breath per minute breathing rates, and they can hold their breath for two hours at a time. All right? Now check this out. The other opposite end of the spectrum, what are the animals that live the shortest? The mammals we're talking about. It's rats and mice. Frenetic little crazy thing. The rodent. Yeah. Now they breathe like 150 to 300 breaths per minute. All right? But humans, right, we have the conscious ability to control our breath. We can breathe like, like turtles and whales, or we can breathe like rats. Now, there's a weird anomaly to this rule, okay? The naked mole rats. The naked mole rat lives primarily underground in a hypoxic environment, rich in carbon dioxide, and it can hold its breath for like up to 18 minutes at a time. And guess how long it lives? Longer than most rodents, I guess. 30 years. Wow. 30x, right? They've hacked aging. So humans can also choose to breed like naked mole rats, right? So what, what I'm saying is that there is a correlation between breathing rates and longevity and breath hold and breath all time. And with most animals, with most animals, it is automatic, like you say, but we have that privilege of being able to dictate to our breath. Yeah, so that's the correlation. Now, remember I said, you can't just have a correlation argument uh, without backing up with mechanism. So here's my mechanism of why I believe uh, long uh, breath hold times and slow breathing rates are correlated to uh, longevity. It comes down to a, one of the top scientists of our time, Helmut Sees, who studied oxygen, the role of oxygen in the body, redox chemistry. And he said, there's an oxygen paradox. Although it's very difficult to live without oxygen, you can only go a few minutes, it's also very difficult to live with oxygen because of this process of oxidative stress. Oxygen is like when it comes in and it burns um, in your mitochondria, it's like a little combustion engine, the mitochondria. And it produces like an inner fire of ATP energy, but then byproducts. And these byproducts of oxidation causes stress on the body, oxidative stress, which, and oxygen itself is very reactive. So even oxygen itself is corrosive. Look at metal, your car, it rusts. We did a, we also, Harvard did study that. We internally rust as well, right? Especially iron and oxygen in the blood vessels, which can then lead to inflammation, osteoporosis, plaques, and what's the number one killer in the world? Heart disease, all right? So how do we, how does this now relate? So when you um, become very efficient using oxygen, Right, you go from being one of those old car engines that splutters along, right, wastes loads of gas, and then breaks down often because of the wear and tear from the, the um, you know, the piston engine, right? 
But if you are like one of those finely tuned Mercedes Benz, it hardly even makes a sound when it's driving and it just goes on and on, right? What happens is you're using the least amount of fuel, i.e. oxygen, to produce the same amount of energy, right? As those old engines. So we can train ourselves to become so efficient using oxygen that we hardly need to breathe, right? Lao Tzu, the famous Chinese philosopher says, the perfect human breathes as though they're not breathing at all. And if you look at yogis, super yogis, they hardly breathe, okay? Now there's another scientist, Buteyko. He's a Russian scientist, he created Buteyko method, very, very popular, used in clinics all around the world, helps a lot of different issues like high blood pressure, asthma, things like this. Um, he showed that deep, heavy breathing and hyperventilation is an over, which causes overbreathing is the cause of most people's issues with their health. And what causes overbreathing? Emotional stress, not being fit. If you're not fit, if you're not exercising, you breathe much faster than you need to because you haven't got an efficient respiratory system. Processed foods, your body's trying to digest it, break it down, you use unnecessary energy in doing so. Eating, overeating, right? Um, uh, you know, worrying about bills and deadlines, emotional stress. Uh, prescription meds, right? They mess up the system. Your body's trying to get rid of it. That extra detoxing they need to do causes you to hyperventilate. What else? Um, poor sleep. Things like um, breathing through your mouth rather than your nose. When you mouth breathe, you actually expend and you breathe in and breathe out too much air in volume. Right, so you overbreathe. So you should breathe in you, and out through your nose, as much as you can. Yes, right. Unless you're doing special techniques, like in soma breath, we use uh, extended exhalations with your mouth because the point is to uh, switch on parasympathetic and uh, it, it trains the vagus nerve. It's like playing a, a, a wind instrument. It actually stimulates the vagus nerve or whistling. But anyway, so. Strong, strong mechanisms now I'm starting to explain. So oxidative stress is the cause of most. We need antioxidants in the diet. Protects against oxidative stress, right? So, so when you hyperventilate, this is what happens, okay? If you overbreathe, where you're breathing at a rate that is like 20 breaths a minute or more, or you're like a really big, deep, heavy breather, right? You may have a slower breathing rate, but you're like... <sighs> all the time like always like breathing out loads of carbon dioxide carbon dioxide is what's necessary right to get oxygen from your red blood cells and into your body tissue cells okay now i'll show you that it's carbon dioxide that's important the most important gas not oxygen wow well this oxygen oxygen monitor here right you can see this yep and you'll see my um, oxygen saturation is 99%, right? Okay. Um, and if I was to hold my breath for a bit, that will go down a little bit. It's quite hard to, 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 to uh, change the oxygen saturation. Mm -hmm. But what um, will happen, uh, and I could just show you something, if you want to. Please, exemplify. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Let's um, I'll show you something interesting. I'll do two in one job so you can wait. Let me just 
this in a comfortable place. Okay, you can see the numbers. Yeah. So the top number is my auction sat, right? 97, all right? I'm going to slow my breathing, my heart rate down. And your heart rate's the bottom bring, one, yeah? Yeah, I'm going to bring my oxygen sats down for a moment. And then what I'm going to do, if by magic, I'm going to send my heart rate up for about 20, 30 beats per minute, and I'm going to bring it back down again. Without, without lots of extra breathing. Just watch. Ready? Yep. So I'm going to slow it down first. Yep, that's coming down. It's coming down quite significantly and quite quickly. Now 69, and 68, and it just keeps dropping. 67, 66, and Niraj doesn't appear to be doing very much, <laughs> except holding this monitor in front of me, which continues to come down, 64. And your oxygen saturation is now from 99 to 96. So significant change in the space of less than a minute. And the heart rate is now 57, 95, 94, the oxygen saturation in his body now, down from 99, 93, it's really changing. Wow, 91, <laughs> 87. Heart rate's gone back up. Heart rate is going back up now, but he's down to 85, 79 on the heart rate. So the heart rate is now spiking, but he's going gone down to 88 on the oxygen saturation. Now you're taking it back up. Oxygen saturation has gone back up to 96 now. And the heart rate 71, 95. Oxygen saturation. So these are, jeez. Wow, the numbers are just going all over the place. <laughs> the heart rate's now 60, okay. 63. So you saw that, right? I sent my heart rate up. Yeah. Okay, well, what I, the point of this really was to show you that just a sip of air from bringing the oxygen sat down, it's now back at what, 98, 97, right? Just a tiny sip of air and you get fully saturated oxygen. Wow. Oxygen's not a problem. What I, you know, we have an abundance of oxygen. Yeah. Okay. What the problem is is CO2. And I'm going to explain that in a minute. But what I just did with the heart rate is I showed you complete control over the autonomic nervous system. Okay. And of my heart rate. And it's, it's all teachable. Anyone can do this. But we've been told that we have no control over these autonomic functions like heart rate, um, respiration, uh, you know, um, immune system, things like that. So that's right? standard mainstream wisdom these days that you don't really have any control over it. That's how you get sucked into make, taking things for it, right? Because that's what uh, medicines do. They work on either parasympathetic or sympathetic or a bit of both, right? So, um, so we, what I just showed you there is to, to, I just really wanted to give you the example of how just a little sip of air fully saturates. Now, here's a bit of basic physiology, biology. When you um, breathe in, the oxygen binds to your red blood cells, okay? And you need the right amount of carbon dioxide, right? To get oxygen to come off the red blood cells and go in to the body tissue cells, which are like, your muscle cells, your organ cells, and other cells right. like that. To okay? feed those cells with oxygen. Yeah. Otherwise, if you don't have carbon dioxide, and the lack of carbon dioxide is caused by over, over breathing, because what happens when you breathe out? You breathe out carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. You keep breathing out at too fast a rate with too large volumes, you breathe out carbon dioxide at too fast a rate, meaning you don't have that signal in your body 
in your blood that's required to get oxygen off your red blood cells. And what happens then is you get too much oxygen saturation of your red blood cells and not the body tissue cells. And low body tissue oxygenation is the root cause of all disease. Okay, this has been shown by many studies, you know, from the Russian scientists like Buteko to a lot of the Western scientists now showing that low body tissue oxygenation is the problem. So when you slow breathing down and when you train yourself to hold your breath for long periods, what happens is you hack this one thing, carbon dioxide tolerance. We have a certain, all of us are unique. We have a certain like thermometer of um, carbon dioxide tolerance and it sets quite low in most people. Like they can't handle carbon dioxide that much. Um, but when you uh, can practice and use our breathing techniques and different yoga techniques that we use, and if you fix your breathing uh, and your diet lifestyle stuff according to our system, which I've got in a course called BreathFit that goes into all of this, um, you can start training yourself to hold your breath for longer, longer periods of time. And when you do that, it means you can handle more carbon dioxide. And if you have abundance of carbon dioxide, right, your breath slows down naturally and you get optimum oxygenation of your body tissue cells. Okay, this is what we're going for. You also, when you do this, um, you, and it's, you have to focus on nasal breathing. Nasal breathing slows your airflow down naturally because it's two narrow canals, right? When you're breathing through your mouth, you over-breathe. Nasal breathing already naturally slows that. Why do you think the pranayama, famous pranayama techniques, breathing in through one nostril, out through another nostril? And why it's so therapeutic and good? It's because you're completely reducing airflow. Only half the nostril you're breathing in and out. So airflow is, and the rate of airflow is dramatically reduced. All right? Now here's another thing. You produce another gas when you do nasal breathing called nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is essential for getting um, what is antiviral, antibacterial, it's vasodilator, bronchodilator, so is carbon dioxide, also uh, vasodilator, bronchodilator, also actually viruses don't like um, an environment where you have more carbon dioxide either. They don't like carbon dioxide, they also don't like too much alkaline as well. Okay. But this, nit this nitric oxide is, is found in the ether. No, nit nitric oxide is produced okay, by gotcha. your paranasal uh, cavities when you breathe in through your nose, but also through vibration when you hum. Hum. Wow. Or when you chant OM, put the emphasis on the mm and vibrate here, you stimulate the paranasal sciences. And that produces 15 times the amount of nitric oxide. Powerful antiviral antimicrobial, um, vasodilator, bronchodilator, it helps get oxygen to your body tissue cells. It's the medicine that we need. In fact, low nitric oxide is associated with all this long COVID and, and um, COVID issues, right? You can use nitric oxide as treatment for this. Well, there's a friend of mine who got admitted into hospital, right? He had um, quite bad COVID reactions and he didn't want to take the medicines like the doctors are giving him. I said, look, you got just, just do what they say to, you know, just otherwise they're going to kick you out kind of thing, or you're going to be in a lot more trouble. 
just take if you he was in an emergency situation just take a little short course of steroids which is what they advise so just do that because i think that will help for the emergency situation sometimes steroids really help so but i want you to hum all day long they said he only he may only have two days left to live they told him that and i said you're going to hum 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 hundred thousand times a day just keep doing it two days the doctors were baffled his blood clots had gone he was breathing normally and he was back to full health that's crazy um yeah. and, and so would you prescribe that humming as much as possible then in order to create everyone should hum really humming then... is the secret to life wow <laughs> it's om om is humming yeah, right. om is humming gotcha and om is the sacred sound it's the it's 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 the most sacred mantra of all in in yoga everything so. that you're just everything that you're describing to me this is millennia old wisdom right yeah this was known to people a thousand years ago whatever so it, it does feel every time everything you're saying to me just feels like the pharmaceutical industry has just marginalized it, you know you what you're describing to me is probably what would be described as still as alternative medicine i know it's entering the mainstream more now you know all these practices that we're talking about i watched this brilliant documentary called the century of the self and it was all about capitalism creating need within people and it seems to me that pharmaceutical industry is smack bang in the middle of that need being created Pharmaceutical industry is not actually selling health, but that's what they're claiming to do, selling you health, when actually it's all within you in the first place. You don't need to be sold any of it because it's all there if you have well, the wisdom. Yeah. If you learn a few simple principles to take care of your health, the idea is that you will not have to then go to the doctor. The idea is to prevent yourself going to the doctor. Like in China, the system of healthcare was very different. The doctor got paid based on you not going to see them. Wow. All right? That's how they earned their keep. Their job was to stop you from seeing them. <laughs> um, and obviously, as we know, like China has some of the old, the most longevity in the world on average, right? Yes. Um, they do. It's just it's amazing. Like the stuff you're telling me, I find it so useful. Can you? Uh, possibly give me give us some breathing techniques really quickly just anything that could help my audience on a daily basis the humming is brilliant but in terms of the actual breathing is there a is, yeah. is there a, is, are there a few little tips you could give us in terms of improving our lives and our health with simple breathing techniques which we can enact every day yeah yeah, yeah for sure so um remember I, I showed you my heart rate going up and down yep so when you breathe in your heart rate goes up a bit when you breathe out your heart rate goes down a bit, okay? So when you extend your exhalation, right, it actually um, starts to stimulate the parasympathetic. So if you were to uh, breathe in slowly into your diaphragm and then just let out the air very slowly, I command my subconscious mind to go into deep, relaxing, rejuvenating sleep so I can wake up feeling refreshed and energized. If you just say that over and over, you're actually put yourself to sleep, right? That's that's a sleeping medicine I just gave you. You can use the same method, right? If you've got digested your food, your, your belly needs a bit of room to breathe, right? So you can expand your belly again and then breathe out very slowly. Like you're breathing out for a straw, I call it straw breath. And this actually will help the digestive process happen. 
if you have constipation, right? One way to relieve constipation. Um, don't do it when you've got a heavy stomach full of food. Do this when you got when you can't go to the toilet, right? Don't do this when you're suffering from diarrhea, obviously. Right? If you've got colitis or something like that, you're not going to do this heavy. But what you do is you breathe in through your nose, out through your nose, hold your nose. And what you can do is just walk around the room, do squats even, something like that, a little bit of exercise. And what that will do is it will, um, and you keep repeating that. So you, you'll start to get a flushing feeling. That's the carbon dioxide building up, nitric oxide, carbon dioxide is a big dilator. Nitric oxide is a dilator. And what does Viagra do? It improves your nitric oxide um, utilization and, and it makes you have erections, right? So the same principles, when you hold your breath, improves blood flow to this area. You might even get a hard on, but what will actually happen is you'll get blood flow to this area and peristaltic movement increases and constipation gets clear. So hold your nose, walk around the room a bit, you'll, you get flushed. As soon as you feel the flush and you feel like you need to breathe, little sip in through the nose again, out through your nose, hold your nose, Again, keep walking around, we'll do squats or something. And then what will happen is everything clears. You get vasodilation, your nose unblocks and your nasal passage and your abdominal passages start to clear and you'll go to the toilet. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Like, such simple techniques, but seemingly, well, potentially so effective. And you use these on a daily basis? Yeah, yeah, and we have loads of these. There's it's a whole pharmacy, as I said, like you can stop somebody coughing, you can help somebody um, relieve heartburn by drinking air into the bowels and um, you can also satiate somebody's appetite if they're fasting and they're really hungry hunger pants many things you can do with the breath lower blood pressure increase energy you know do you run are you planning to run retreats in Ibiza how can people reach out to you and get to know more about what you're doing and how can people engage with what you're doing Yes, yeah, so we have uh, retreats now in Ibiza starting from December. We're going to be doing them here at our Casa Soma, we call it. Um, it's an amazing villa. We've got um, accommodation. People stay here. Plus, we've got a sauna. I do a lot of cool stuff with sauna. Um, I'm all about the heat. Okay. We have, um, it's an amazing place, like, so cool. And so we're going to be every month from now doing retreats. I just really hope they don't do any stupid lockdown situations again. Right, yeah, of course. It's, it's a difficult situation right now, but um, oh, I'm, yeah. so, I, I'm really mean it when I say I'm going to get over there. There's so many other things that I wanted to delve into, like your music. Um, I wanted to talk to you about plant medicine, other plant medicines such as ayahuasca, because I know that you've had experiences with that. But when I looked at your your bio initially, I thought maybe he's just sort of thrown his hat into every ring to see what sticks, like a jack of all trades. And then when I listened to you speak, I realised that you throw yourself into loads of stuff because you don't seem overwhelmed by the sort of fear that I think paralyzes so many people and stops them from, from fulfilling their dreams. I feel mm. you lead your life in a way that you'd rather regret things that you have done rather than re regretting things that you haven't done when you look back on yeah. your life. It's like, yes True. to life. You, you've got an open heart. Um, is that where you're at on your journey? Is that how you feel? And was it difficult to get there? And what's next? Yeah, I actually was, like when I was running my raise in the early days, it was all about, it was like church, bringing people together, community. I'm a very social, community-driven person. My mum's very similar. I get it from her. But when I got um, sucked in the pharma world, I became a different person. 
my heart closed. I was just not a nice guy to be around. Life was just shit, right? For many years, seven years I did that crap. Um, and then I had to wake up again. I had to break out. Tony Robbins helped a lot. Uh, I'm a big fan. That was a big wake up. And then getting like good mentors, starting to give me confidence again. You know, I had like bad relationships, getting bullied and relationships, also being a bully and just horrible past relationships. And then, you know, everything, you, when you're not happy and you're satisfied with what you're doing, like most of the day is your job. Most of your day is your job, right? Whatever you do for work. If you're not happy doing that, you're going to be a horrible person to be around. It doesn't matter because your existence is mostly spent doing things you don't want to do. So you have to have trust and faith. And when I started to just take risks, I, I had no choice because I got sick. I couldn't go back to my job. I had to embrace uh, you know, whatever the universe had for me in store with an open heart and mind. And when I did that, that's when just things just started to move effortlessly. And then I ended up in Copangan in my uh, Copangan uh, first in Thailand. And I got involved with the whole Tantra community, which is very heart-based. Osho community, you know, just got super immersed. This is where I learned a lot of these ancient Tantric techniques and also facilitation. That's what helped me become very good at facilitating things. And, um, and that was a very heart-opening thing. I realized actually I'm not alone. There's all these completely weird people just like me. Awesome. So, yeah. So I hung out with them and then um, we built like a big community in Copenhagen. Uh, we started running festivals again in my way, with the more conscious way. Um, and then we took it on tour. I ended up with the Mind Valley community. And the whole thing is that like, I've realized is that successful, happy people, right? Like legitimately successful people, who are, they have to be happy. You're not successful if you're not happy. Um, tend to have this one thing about them. They're very open-minded and open-hearted and they love to try everything at least once. So that's how I just, I, I'm, that's my default state. I think a lot of people's default state is that until life closes them down, right? Or education closes them down and the media closes them down. And I'm all about opening the heart. And that's why I love things like static dance mm -hmm. and our breathwork journeys and also dance mixed with breath but i call it ecstatica i love these uh, classes and workshops that we do because it brings people together there's no judgment everyone's on the same level um and you get amazing rapport and bonding between people because the breath when you breathe in sync with each other it does magic at bringing people together and creating a connection nice. so our retreats people get like fall in love they have amazing like friendships from them like you know it's it's all about the community that's that's what i'm all about because we need that the community is the cure for all the problems and we're that. losing so much of it as well you know it's just um also i think that you know positivity and cynicism alike they're domino effects so if you're in a room with lots of cynical people then you're going to be naturally sort of guarded whereas what it seems that you're engendering is a sort of space and environment where positivity is wholeheartedly encouraged and so, totally. and it's got that domino effect of everybody feeling good around each other. You got it. I love yes. um, another thing that really that, that I find interesting is, and, and it seems to be a strand going through every interview that I do, is that adversity can be the springboard for 
fulfillment in people's lives. You still have yes. to have the courage to deal with that adversity in the right sort of way. I, I heard this quote recently from Goodwill Hunting, which I liked, which was, you'll have bad times, but they will always wake you up to the good stuff you weren't paying attention to. And, you know, it seems to me the right. adversity in your life really drove you towards the light. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of crazy setbacks in my life. And I just have this, like, don't give a shit attitude now. You know, it's like, the, there is no such thing as mistakes. There's yes. just no such thing as a mistake. Everything is a learn opportunity to learn and grow. So true. So you have to have those changes. Of, a lot of people, like, get hung up on the past. They feel either guilt or shame. And these are really paralyzing emotions, fear, guilt, shame. They're the worst. Absolutely. So we have to find a way to, to reformat the operating system where these emotions become like a virus that plagues you and stops you from moving forward. So many people give up. Is contentment and happiness for you a daily practice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hacking fear and, and um, reprogramming, rewiring confidence. It, it's all done through the language, the words you say to yourself, the language you use. Oh my. I mean, the language of England is, there's a kid in England that says sick. Everything is sick. <laughs> Look what so happened to the world. You know? So, so true. And like, you know, and like, but before that, I was, um, I was, I was in the drama basing, I was saying badass. Every sentence, every, something was badass. Someone was badass, that music was badass, that party was badass, you know? And what happened to me? <laughs> you know what I mean? So we have to be so careful about these words. I'm glad you could look at... Yeah, because they're spells. They're spells. Spelling. Right. Spell. Yeah. Wow. Right? Dude, you're an incredible human being. I've, I, I've been speaking to you for an hour and a half. It feels like about three minutes. I could chew your ear off all day, but I'm not going to. How do be, I know that my listeners will, are definitely going to want to find out more about you. So give me a URL which is relevant to your life that we can we can find you at. Yeah. Uh, so somabreath.com is uh, where to go. I'll give you links Please. you can put in the notes for your viewers. But we also have, um, or listeners, we also have Instagram, Soma Breath. We have a Facebook group, Soma Breath. Really cool community on there. YouTube, Soma Breath. Um, and then my own personal one, Niraj Naked Fisher on Instagram. Follow me on there as I, well. I've seen them content. all and I can vouch for their validity and brilliance. And I am just, I feel so grateful. I'm going to have the most amazing day having spoken to you, Niraj. Cheers, mate. You're awesome. I love it. <laughs> we have to hang out in Ibiza. You know we will. Cool. It's an absolute pleasure, my friend. Have a great day. You too, my friend. Peace. The natural high.